Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. The title of this message is Sick of Home. Sick of Home. Luke chapter 15. Our text will be verses 11 through 13. And we'll be speaking about the first lost son. You will not finish it. I apologize for that, but uh, just the way the Lord led. We've been preaching on some of the parables of the Lord throughout the past year. And now we're back to this parable. We, we preached on the lost coin and the lost sheep and generally over that whole passage. But Luke 15 is one parable that contains three acts or three different scenes. First is the parable of the lost sheep. Second is the parable of the lost coin. And third is the parable of the lost sons, plural. Often that third one is called the prodigal son. When John Newton described his salvation, his coming to the Lord in the great hymn, Amazing Grace. All of us know that Amazing Grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When he said in that song, I once was lost, but now I'm found. He was using the language of Luke chapter 15. When we speak of someone being away from God, whether they are a sinner or a backslider, we use the language of Luke 15 by saying they are lost and they need to be found. This story or these stories tell us two things. They tell us about the salvation of God and second of all, the restoration of God. It goes on to tell us who needs salvation, how salvation comes to pass in our lives and why it is necessary. This morning we're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son, and we're going to emphasize simply the younger son. This psalm, all of you know it, is one of the most loved parables of all the parables. It is called the pearl and the crown of all biblical parables. It so beautifully expresses the central truth of the gospel, and that truth is we are lost and we need to be found, and God is doing everything and has done everything necessary to find you and me. This story is the gospel in the gospel. The story of the prodigal son is the most confrontational, convicting, and revealing of the three stories found in Luke 15. Jesus Christ is about to drop the hammer on the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this parable. And it is the greatest job of storytelling that has ever occurred in the whole world. Jesus brings to you and me a brilliant story that is meant to grab your attention, shock the listener, keep them hanging onto the edge of their seat, and then when it's completely over, it'll leave you with a cliffhanger that kind of makes you wonder, how does it really end? So I want us to read our text. This morning we're going to read 
verses 11 through 20. But we'll emphasize 11 through 13. So, looking at God's word. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and while living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here, I, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. The parable begins with these words, and he said, a man had two sons. When we read this parable, think of the story. Usually if you've heard sermons and you've heard references to this parable, it's always focused on the younger son and the prodigal, who was called the prodigal son. But it is important as we go through this little short series that there are two sons. The father had two sons. And so the parable is not just about the prodigal son. But it's also about the older son. But not only that, it's not only about the two sons, but it's also about the father. We might agree on this, that the prodigal son, the younger son, is the primary actor. He is the chief actor, and the the sub-actors are the father and the oldest. But they all play an important role in this story. Again, let me remind you, the title of this message is Sick of Home. This morning, we will look at that younger son, and we will look at his sin. But as I was looking at this passage of Scripture, and as I was going over it, this thought came to my mind. Why does it happen? What's the background? He just didn't wake up one day and say, give me my inheritance. I'm ready to leave home. When did he start hating home, I'm asking the question. When did he start to resent the instructions, the commands of his mom and his dad? When did he get tired of sitting around the same dinner table all the time? When did he get tired of the farm and the animals and the chores and the work? When did he get tired of going to the synagogue and worshiping the God of Israel? When did he get tired of the godly lifestyle? When did he get tired of the restraint and the rules? When did he get sick of being told what to do? When did he start mocking his father and mother behind their backs? This just didn't happen. He didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to set out. I'm ready to go out on my own. When did he start being rebellious, wanting his own way? See, sick of home 
for you and me, and even in this story, is sick of God, sick of church, sick of living according to Christian standards and Christian ways, sick of sermons, sick of songs, sick of Christians, wanting nothing to do with it anymore. He didn't want anything to do with the God of Israel, the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, the synagogue, the temple, Israel. And Jesus, in this parable, for you and me, is painting the worst possible sinner imaginable. In this culture, Jesus could not have painted a worse picture about a sinner than he did with this young man. Today, if we were to tell this story, we would tell of a Christian boy or Christian couple who has come to church and been faithful, but suddenly they're gone, tired, no more, in, not interested along. Sometimes it would be a story of drug addiction. Perhaps it would be a story of homosexuality. And even nowadays, it is shocking a number of Christian families that are having to deal with transgenderism. Or people just simply don't care. Don't want anything to do with it. Their parents' God. Their grandparents' church. Nothing to do with God. This could be any sin that would embarrass a good Christian family. And I have been there. And I know. But Jesus is trying to paint for you and me the most audacious and vile sinner imaginable. Each time this young man will take a step down in sin, the crowd will gasp. And they will be shocked by what they are hearing. And so, first of all, let's look at his imposition. This boy's imposition. His demand. Verse 12 says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the state that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. You understand here, the older boy's getting his portion. It's being divided. But he didn't ask for it. This may not seem like months to you, but to the listeners of Jesus, this was as vile and disrespectful as one could imagine. This young man has shown outrageous disrespect for his father, for the honor of his family, for the honor of his community, and most of all, for the honor of his God, or his family's God. The family and the village would have been aghast at this behavior that amounted to saying simply this, Dad, I wish you were dead. What this boy did is unthinkable, and it's repugnant. He simply violated the standards of behavior expected of a child of a son. When he made this demand, this imposition, he broke his relationship with his father. He proved himself to be a radically selfish man, a man without honor. What this young man did was hurtful, It was offensive, 
and is a radical contradiction to the most venerated tradition of the time. This son was not only asking for his part of the inheritance, but he's asking for the right to dispose of it right now. You may not understand this. This father, when he divided it up, still had the right to live off of all the profits that would come in from what he gave the older son and what he gave the younger son. It was his until he died. The younger son would have no right to sell it, to use any money without the father's permission or until the father died. But the implication here, and it's appalling, appalling is the son, the younger son is saying, I don't have enough time to wait for you to die. And so the biggest issue here is the lack of honor. The younger son gives to his father. Now he had only inherited a third of the inheritance, the way the scripture set it up. But by asking for this share of inheritance, again, let me say, let me put it this way. Father, I wish you were dead. Because by being alive, you are standing in the way of all my plans. I need my inheritance now. And since you won't die, just give it to me now. That is a hard request. It is disrespectful. It is harsh. It is unloving. It is rude. And when Jesus says this, these words, the crowd is stunned and shocked because it's against everything the people of Israel believed in. It's a scandal. I wish you were dead. I want mine now. I want my way now. Dad, I want what you provide, but I want you to stay out of my life. Listen to this. I don't want you, but I want yours. You catch that? I want to eat God's food. I want to walk on God's earth. I want to breathe God's air. I want the body that God has given me, but I don't want God. I want God's goodness, and I want God's blessings, and I want God's favor, but I don't want God. Do you know anybody like that? Is it possible that you're like that? The world is full of people like that. And sad to say, there are churches with people like that. Can you, after this imposition, the crowd, here's what the crowd's expecting to happen next in the story, so you'll know. At the least, they're expecting the father to slap the son upside the face. And he would have deserved that. They would have then expected the father to disown the son. That's what he'd been expected to do. They would have expected the son to be kicked out of the home and never to be received back into home again. And guess what? The whole village would support the father and they would not welcome him either. I mean, he is done. And that's what they expect out of this story. Not only that, the father could have done one more thing. He and the mother could have taken the boy to the elders of the village. And let's see what the scripture says. If any man has a stubborn, rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, 
And when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them. You young people need to listen to this, okay? Then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gateway of his hometown. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. Why? So you shall remove the evil from your midst. And all Israel will hear of it in fear. Now thank God that's Old Testament. I don't know if we'd have a stoning today or not. But it's evil. You parents need to realize this. That's why if you don't correct your children, you're promoting evil in their lives. About 50 years now ago. But two missionaries in Ecuador went to the village, Siona village, talked to the chief about bringing the gospel to the community. They already work with the Kofans and Sokoas. And when they sat down with Chief Victoriano and told him what they would like to do to get permission, he said, no, we're not interested. Not at all. 30 or 40 years after that, Deanna and I received a message. We were working with the Siona, Sokoas, and the lowland Quichua that the Siona chief would like to see us. And so my team, we went into the Siona village about 10 hours by boat. We sat down with the same chief. He's in his late 80s, early 90s. And he said, we need the gospel. And here's why we need the gospel. Our young people now have no interest in our culture and our ways. They're bringing the ways of the world into our community. If it keeps going like this, we'll no longer be Siona. We've seen how the gospel has blessed the Kofans and the Sokoas. How it has changed and touched their lives and held them together as a community, as a family. We'd like for you to come and preach the gospel. We need Jesus. Let me tell you something. Rebellion is evil. And it will bear its fruit before it's all said and done. And you may think, I'm being harsh. We're talking about the salvation of your child's soul, of your soul and my soul. Obedience to the things of God is important. And this young man has no interest at all in obeying God and obeying his parents. Let me tell you something. They don't want to obey you. They don't want to obey God either. But this is shocking what happens to these people. There's no slap. There's no disowning. There's no kicking out. The father begins to divide the wealth between them. He didn't have to. He simply could have said, son, you're going to have to wait until I die. And most fathers would do that. But in fact, it's the father letting the sinner go his own way. Do his own thing. 
The parable is describing to you and me what Ab and Eve has done and what mankind has done over and over and over again. So this father takes the deed out, divides up the land. He divides up the livestock. He divides up the household goods. He divides up the commodities. He divides up everything. And ownership transfers from the father to the boys. But these boys, due to honor of their parents, would not have done anything, not made any changes. Because they realized their father was still their father. And deep down, he still had the right to do whatever he wanted to do with it. But on paper, there's now been a shameful transfership of ownership. So... The first issue is not really the loss of wealth by the father because it's his as long as you live. But it's the audacity of this young man to have such disrespect and disdain for the father that he would demand such a thing. So what do we learn? The the son really doesn't love the father. He loves himself and loves what he wants. In fact, he has willfully dishonored his father and has offended him. Adam and Eve, when they partook of the fruit, they dishonored God. When Cain refused to bring the sacrifice that God required, he dishonored God. When Abraham, in unbelief, disobeyed God and went into Egypt during a famine and then lied about Sarah, he disobeyed God. When Moses struck the rock, he dishonored God. When King Saul refused to kill the Amalekites' animals after a great victory, he dishonored God. When King David committed adultery, he dishonored God. When Ananias and Sapphira kept back part of what they they had sold to get honor for themselves, they ended up dying, but they ended up dishonoring God. How many of us... Well, let's put the, you listening on radio, KNEO, and how many of you be watching on video? Because we're a perfect church. <laughs> I'm kidding. We have one perfect one among us. Would you please stand so we'll know? But how many of us dishonor God by not honoring His house? That's what the worship was about. Is about honoring God, thanking God for salvation, thanking God He hears prayers, thanking God that He meets needs, thanking God that He's a part of our lives. How many dishonor God by keeping the tithe? That's His. That's His. You acting just like the prodigal? Are you not? Are you not? God, I'm gonna. I'm going to steal from you. Now, I'll never forget, I heard a, a Jewish man preach in Ecuador. And I'll never forget what he said. said and this is Spanish. And he said this. He said, if you steal from God, you'll do anything. <laughs> there's, there's not a sin you won't do eventually. If you can steal from God, you'll do anything else. And I thought, man, I wish I was smart enough to think that way. You dishonor God by not reading His Word and listening to it and obeying it. You dishonor God by not listening to the sermon preached by God's man. If you're playing on your phone doing something else besides listening to this message, you're dishonoring God. And you're dishonoring God if you spend time judging God's man. 
That's what this boy had done. I wonder what kind of judgment he said against his parents. How fuddy-duddy they were. How old-fashioned they were. How weird they were. How strange they were. Why, they should do it this way and they should do it that way. Just to give you a little preview. This boy will come home. And when he comes home, he has now placed himself in judgment. Now he is wondering how dad will judge him. And whatever measure you give it out, some measure you'll get it. Dishonor God. Churches in the 21st century are filled with people who think nothing about what they're doing. As I preached or mentioned, and haven't really preached this, but I've mentioned it. We're just like Moses. We don't think our sin is as bad as God does. Remember, he he struck the rock, rock when God told him not to. And God said, you're not going into the land. And later, Moses pled with God, let me go in. And you would think that God would say, well, you know, you deserve it. No one's done what you've done. And God said, no. And he told him why. You dishonored me. This son made himself odious to his father. He became a stanch in his father's nostrils. And he's a stanch in the community's nostrils. And this crowd is shaking their head. They can't believe what has happened and what is going on in this story. But Jesus isn't done. He moves from the imposition to the liquidation. And not many days later, the younger son gathered together, gathered everything together. Not only did he want what he had, but the boy didn't love his inheritance. He didn't love what the father gave him. He gathered it all together and he liquidated it. Because you can't take your land with you. You can't take your livestock with you. You can't take your commodities with you. So he wanted it in cash. He wanted it in money. So he not he disrespects his father, but he takes a step further because he begins to sell off his father's assets before he really has the right to. It's amazing. This father has given this boy his inheritance with no strings attached. And in this culture, the people are also thinking, what is wrong with this dad? But what you see here is God's mercy. Every one of you, every one of us, ought to thank God he doesn't smite us the first time we sin. We see God's patience and loving kindness and goodness. He'd have every right to smite you and me. This father would have every right to smite this boy because he has dishonored him. And yet we see God in his patience and his goodness. Be sure to join us next week for part two of this message. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference. 
The world is in chaos, and you're here for a purpose. What does the Bible have to say about it all? I'm Mark Taylor, host of Crosspoint podcast and radio show, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I navigate the complexities of faith, culture, and personal growth. Each week, I interview a different guest who is making an impact on the culture of For God's Kingdom. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, true information, or a fresh perspective, this podcast equips you to discern truth in today's chaotic world. When Christianity intersects with everyday life, that's where you'll find Crosspoint, sometimes discussing the issues that some churches don't want to talk about. Look up Crosspoint with Mark Taylor wherever you get your podcast produced by KNO Radio and the Sky High Podcast Network.